So thank you guys so much for letting me um, come and speak with you guys today. I'm excited for what we're going to hear from the book, from God's Word, and also from the conversation. Um, thank you, Danny and Melissa, for setting this up. I'm excited to um, yeah, to jump in with you guys. So if you guys have not, we have some worksheets for you. It's got a double page and it's got some images at the back. So this is... This is why I went into counseling and not graphic design. This is, this is as epic as my design skills can get. So the top one is from Mike Emlett, right? The bottom one is from me. I made that. This is, this is my art. So you know, feel free to frame this. You can put it on your fridge um, if you want. I'm happy to sign this for anybody who wants. There's a couple, a couple uh, visuals here. The top one was made by Mike Emlett, but then John Henderson added in the scriptures because John Henderson is the soul ninja. He's the wizard, right, of, of you know, God's word. And I just want to explain a couple things because we're going to be talking about a few different concepts. Today is we're talking about why we get entangled. So we've been learning about root, fruit, cross, thorns. Today it's the question of why. What is it that entangles our hearts? And so one of the conversations is compared to what the world, the reasons the world gives why we're entangled, so my degree is in clinical mental health counseling. So a secular counseling degree, but what I do now is biblical counseling. So John Henderson was teaching me biblical counseling. And this concept, as you learn about counseling, you see that there's kind of a divergence, right? In some of the things, some of the emphasis of what the main source of our problem is, right? Why we get entangled is in difficulty in sin is a question that all counseling is trying to answer. What, what is man? What's the biggest problem we face and how do we fix it, right? And so learning different philosophies of counseling and different perspectives from the world, they're going to give you different answers for the main reason you're entangled, right? So this diagram is showing that at the core, we have us in our hearts. And in our hearts, we have a couple options. Either Christ is on the throne of our hearts or we are on the throne of our hearts. And coming out from there, there's those co-centric circles that are all showing little arrows pointing, and those arrows are showing influence on our hearts. So our hearts are, we have a heart, we have a soul, we are also physically embodied. So we have a physical body. And our physical body, similar to the water bottle or the toothpaste analogy, you know, as things bump into us, water's gonna come out, right? What's inside of our heart's gonna come out. And so we have a physical body, which is gonna be a physical, an actual influence on our hearts. It's not gonna make our hearts do something, right? But it's gonna influence lack of sleep, those kinds of things. Um, socially embedded, you go outside the next circle, we're social beings, we were raised by mom and dad in a certain culture at a certain time and all those things. Again, mom and dad don't make us, sorry for all you teenagers, mom and dad don't make you get angry, right? They can't make you do that. But mom, we are influenced by our culture, parents, family, and that's gonna shape and form us. And then finally, there's also, there's a spiritual battle that is also happening. So the enemy cannot make us do things, but he can tempt, he can, you know, thinking of Job, the Lord and his sovereignty, which is the final thing, there's a sovereign God that's enthroned over everything in our life. He is the one who's overarching everything. This is just gonna be a model, something to look at, something to think about as we're discussing different, uh, different influences, different whys is why we get entangled. At the bottom, this is supposed to be a heart and it's supposed to be a magnet, okay? So this is something that we talk about sometimes in counseling. 
we say we want to pay attention to the North Pole and the South Pole of our hearts. So we're looking at thorns, we're looking at why we get entangled, we're looking at our actions, and then that's helpful because we want to start saying, okay, why do I do what I do? What are my actions point out that my heart is treasuring? Okay? So it can be helpful to start to pay attention to the things that we love, our hopes, fantasies, desires, what are the things that we like going to, and as well, the, the south pole of our hearts, the things we hate, the things we flee from, the things we don't like, because those are showing, those can be helpful indicators of our hearts, what our hearts are loving, hating, what we're desiring. Because our hearts and our soul, it's invisible, we can't see it. I mean, our heart's visible, we can't see it, never mind. But our soul, right, we can't see that, but we can see our actions. So as we're talking about why we get entangled, that's what I wanted to include those, just as a bit of a visual for something else to be thinking about, okay? So, uh, over the past few lessons, we've been looking at living with awareness of God's commitment to heart transformation and the ultimate destination that gives us hope. We've been looking at the personal growth and change that rests on our relationship with Christ, right? That core piece. We've been looking at, in addition to my relationship with Christ, God's work of personal transformation in redemptive community. We've been looking at heat, thorns, cross, fruit, and and that God understands the full range of joys and sorrows in our lives. We've been looking at how the Bible describes life, that we live in a broken world as people who struggle daily. And then last week, we're thinking about the biblical picture of the thorn bush captures how sinners tend to respond. And so today, the central point is that all ungodly behavior grows out of a heart that's been captured by something other than Christ. Okay? So in that image, the heart is either ruled by the self or Christ. So we want to look at the why. Why do we sin? Why do we have thorns? What's the payoff? Because everything we do, we do for some reason. Even though it doesn't make sense, even though it can be damaging, we do it for a reason. So, um, one of the things the book talked about is these different kind of conversations about what the main cause of our sin is. And it comes out in our language, you drive me crazy, you make me angry, right? My boss, you know, just drives me up the wall. It's, often we can have this kind of external explanation for our thorns, for our actions. But one of the things he talks about in the book is that if, if other people with the cause, if other people were the cause of my sin, I could simply develop new relationships and avoid sinners. I could be a monk, and that would fix my problems. If sins were caused by my dysfunctional family, I could simply remove myself. I could distance myself from my family, and then I wouldn't have to worry about sin anymore. It'd be fine if my family is the main problem. If my problem was suffering, I could just sink out endless supply of comfort, and then I'd be fine. If unmet needs were responsible for my sin, I could try to have people serve my needs and fill up what's lacking within me. You know, so codependency, you know, that other people can fix my needs, they can solve me. And so we've been learning about the Ten Commandments through our sermons. And it's interesting you think of when God gave the Ten Commandments after God has brought Israel out of slavery, right? And 
Considering their situation, the journey to the promised land was filled with trials and temptations and enemies, yet these realities were not actually of utmost, these physical sufferings were not actually of utmost importance to God. Because if physical slavery was the biggest fear, a physical master, then God would have written the Ten Commandments, just like we're learning, right? Okay, first commandment, make sure your army is really strong, right? That's what God wrote, right? Second commandment, make sure you have lots of horsemen and lots of cities so that you have cavalry, you can have good tactics, right? Third commandment, make sure you have allies with strong nations to rescue you if you ever get in a fight, to keep you from physical slavery, because that's physical slavery is really what we need to flee from, right? Am I speaking heresy or am I speaking truth? Yeah, yeah, heresy, right? Yeah, that's not, right? And so you, you see that as Israel's walking out of slavery, if, if freedom from physical suffering was the goal, then, God, then the, the path of Israel would be great. It'd be awesome. They're never going to struggle, right? Is that the narrative of Israel after they leave Egypt? No, right? So Andrew Peterson, anybody ever read uh, the Wingfeather series? Yeah, good. It's great. I love some of my fantasy people. Um, he wrote this. I think he's, I, he's a fantastic, um, he's a great author. I think he's an even better songwriter. I really like his songs. This one song he writes, it says, Our enemy, our captor, is no pharaoh on the Nile. Our toil is neither mud nor brick nor sand. Our ankles bear no calluses from chains. Yet, Lord, we're bound. Imprisoned here, we dwell in our own land. Deliver us, deliver us, O Yahweh, hear our cry, and gather us beneath your wings tonight. So there's this really great picture of, of slavery to sin, right? How it's our own hearts that pursue sin, that pursue idols. It's, it's they go out of the promised land, and yet, you know, say, man, what we really need, man, we just, we need a God to take us back to Egypt. That would be awesome. Let's just make a gold calf. You know, to bring us back. So we just had leeks. You know, we had onions. It was like, man, we just sat around pots of food. You know, that's really... So they're freed from slavery. They're not, they're not in slavery anymore, but it's their hearts that are the concern. God has to deal with the hearts of his people. So if someone can... Let's all turn, if you have your Bibles with you, to Romans 1, 18 to 25. And so when someone gets to Romans 1, 18 to 25, go ahead and read that out for us. Worship and serve the creature 
rather than the Creator, bless it forever. Amen. Good. Good. And so I see some, some people are, are studious people. I see a lot of the teenagers are writing already. We've been getting some answers to some of our questions. Good job. Extra points. Uh, the points don't matter, but you got them anyway. Um, so reading Romans, what do we exchange for images? Yeah, the glory of the immortal God, right? Glory of the immortal God. It's clear, it's obvious, but instead of being captivated and consumed, we exchange it for an image, right? Great. Um, what do we exchange for a lie? Shout it out. What do we, shout it out. Truth. truth, right? Truth about who? Truth about God. We have truth from God, we exchange it for a lie, right? We worship and serve what rather than the creator? The creature, right? Created things, right? We exchange. So again, what we're looking at today, we're looking at why do we get entangled? Why do our hearts do that? Because we wouldn't, as humans, exchange the truth about God for a lie unless it gave some, unless we had some benefit, some payoff, right? Like I say, I've had to counsel people doing lots of different things. I've never had to counsel somebody who every day they wake up and they punch a brick wall. I've never had to counsel anybody who does that. They say, Jason, I have this problem. I just, I love punching a brick wall. It's just really great, right? I haven't had to do that. Why not? It hurts, right? It's very clearly damaging. But we do have to counsel people in our own hearts. We have to counsel our friends, neighbors, brothers, children, parents. Our hearts turn to things that are sinfully, emotionally soul damaging, but we do it anyway, right? It's interesting, looking at the next few verses after this, what's the result of the exchange? Yeah. Yeah, right. Pursuing our passion, right? We exchange the glory of the immortal God for glory that we want. Right? Images. Right? So when God, he's talking about created things. And so when God created the world, after he creates it, he made Adam. And he goes, whoa, Adam. Gross. This is, that was, what was I doing with that? Then he made Eve. And he said, ew, yeah, yeah. I, don't, that was, I didn't do a good job on Eve. And he made creation, dolphins, mountains. He's just like, man, what am I? Ugh, this is just evil stuff. Is that what he said? No. What does he say when he made creation? It's good, right? You're right. It's, it's not good that man should be alone. Everything's good. I'm going to make the sky, the stars, people, and, make, and it's very good, right? And so it's so often in our idolatry, we make a good thing that God made, and we make it an ultimate thing. So that's often what it is. We take something and we say, okay, instead of me submitting and using this good thing in the way God intended, I'm going to take this good thing and use it in a way that I intend because it gives me some payoff, some benefit, right? So, because when, because our cow's good. What, our cows? Great teenagers, any teenager tell me, are cows good or are they bad? They're great. Have you ever, are cheeseburgers good? Yeah, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> it's good. It's good. 
So, but then when they made the golden calf, they made a picture of the cow, right? What did the Israelites want it to do? They wanted it to save them, right? They wanted that golden calf to take them back. And what were they so excited about getting back to Egypt for? What were they really looking forward to in Egypt? Food. food. Good food, man. Mm. Except for, do you think slavery was really as good as they thought it was? Probably not. You know, so, so if you can say, I'm going to give you a cheeseburger, but I'm going to whip you while you eat it. That doesn't sound very tasty. Right? doesn't sound very enjoyable. Right? But it's interesting how we get entangled because our minds, we exchange truth, the reality, for a fabricated reality. And that's what Satan says. Satan, now I'm going to talk to the boys now. So girls, just don't, you just don't need to listen. This is boy, boy talk. So what Satan does is he loves to roll smoke grenades into the room. Right? If you all play Call of Duty, watch movies, sorry girls, you won't understand, don't worry, just, there's only boy talk, okay, boys. Um, he loves fog and confusion, right? He likes things to be murky. So that when Israel is sitting there thinking about, man, wasn't it great, we just sat around pots of food. We're going to make a God, a good thing, take a good thing, twist it to get us what we want, our passions, our pleasures, right? Something we can, it's tangible for us that we like, right? So we go to idols. Why do we get entangled? We get entangled for a reason, right? That we're either pursuing some glory, right? Some pleasure or some kingdom that isn't the Lord's. Right? So some glory, some pleasure or some kingdom that isn't the Lord's. We love to be Lord of our universe. We love to go. So I want to go to one more scripture with you. If y'all can go to James 4. James 4, 1 to 10. And then after that, I want to just hear from you guys. James 4, verse 1 to 10. And as we read it, be thinking about the pleasure, the kingdom, and the glory that we might be pursuing, kind of this why. We're saying, why do we get entangled? Why do we do these things? And James 4, I'm going to let someone else read it, but it's interesting because James 4, he starts out saying, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? So he's actually going to answer. This is the cool thing about the Bible. It says, hey, why do we fight? Why do we fight with our sister? Why do we fight with our brother? Because they're annoying. No, well, we'll see. We'll see what God has to say. We'll see. They might be annoying, right? But when, when it says, why do we fight? God's actually going to answer that for us. So James 4, 1 to 10. Whoever gets there, read it out for us. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning 
and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and so again, in all of this conversation, and you can hear Danny talk about this too, right? what we're trying to avoid is trying to avoid the extremes, right? So we're trying to avoid this, the morbid introspection, right? We're trying to avoid, oh man, okay, I just need to only think about my sin. I just, where my sin? Did I do that? Was I a big stupid sinner? I just, and then all of a sudden, even in that, what's, what are we being consumed with? Where's our focus? Right, ourselves, right? So I'm a rock star, I'm amazing. I crush it all the time. I, have you met me? I'm amazing, right? Is that? Right. Thank you. Thank you, Kyle. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> right, Kyle thinks so. This is good. Truth about God and the lies. We'll, we'll sort it out. We'll sort it out. <laughs> I appreciate you. And then, uh, and then there's, man, I'm no good. Oh, I'm such a dirty sinner. I'm just, I'm just, man, I'm just nobody. I'm a nobody. All these different things. What's our focus? Self. Two sides of the same coin, right? Right? And Satan, I don't think Satan really cares too much if you think you're the best person who's ever walked the face of the earth or the worst person that's ever, you've ever walked the face of the earth, as long as you're not thinking about what? Yeah, gospel. Right? As long as you're not thinking about Jesus, as long as you're not thinking about a God who saves you, who sent his son to save you from your sin, to credit righteousness to your account, he doesn't really care as long as it's not truth. As long as you're not thinking about the way, the truth, and the life, he's, he's happy with it, right? And so the key piece to this is that as we're talking about our sin, recognizing the why we get entangled, the driving force, the end goal, is that we would treasure and behold Christ. Is that we would take a look at our sin, and it could be helpful for us in identifying, okay, why do I do these things? Why do we fight and quarrel? What does James say? Why do we fight and quarrel? We can take a look at it again because it's confusing, right? It take a bit. So what causes fights and quarrels among you? Is it not what? Yeah, nice and loud. Passions at war within you. And who has a who has a little like asterisk by passions? What's the bottom of the Bible say? So passions, interesting, translated, or pleasures. So I'm fighting with someone, right? I have some passion at war within me, some pleasure, right? You desire, but you do not have, so you murder. And he's talking to Christians. So are the Christians literally taking swords to church? It's like James like, man, you got to stop stabbing each other during service. You're messing the carpet, it's getting very bloody, it's disrupting, people can't talk because people are screaming because you're stabbing each other. It's making it very difficult to listen to Garrett Kell while you're stabbing each other. Is that, is that what's going on? <laughs> Sorry, that was too distracting, I love it. Um, is, is that the murder he's talking about? No. What, when he says murder, what's he talking about? Anger, right? Yeah, so what Jesus says, yeah, you've heard it say, don't murder. I say, if anyone's angry with his brother, right? There's murder of the heart because you have a passion, a pleasure, a desire within you. And, that, and there's some person or something is an obstacle, right? So your passions are at war within you. You want something, but you don't have it. You ask God for it, but he's not going to give it to you because you're asking so that you can give it on your, you can, you can spend it on your pleasures, 
But praise God, James also has the solution. Right? He, he redirects us. He said, so the concept here is we, have, we see horizontal combat, right? With brothers and sisters and co-workers and bosses, we see it. But what does James say? We do horizontal combat, why? What's the, what's the reason? Sorry? Desires. Our desires, right? He says, he says, you adulterous people, right? We have horizontal combat because we're vertically adulterous, right? He said, friendship with the world is hatred towards God. So this is something that John Henderson, my supervisor, old pastor said, is that how we treat our spouse is always indicative of how we treat the Lord, so the combat we have here, brothers, sisters, spouses, it's what we can start to ask ourselves, why do we fight? Why do we get so angry with our children? Why do we get so angry with our spouse? Why do we get so angry with our parents? Why do we get so angry? So a question we can ask ourselves is, what, what do we feel the Lord is insufficient in providing that we need to fight to get it? Right? Because this is what he's saying. He's saying you fight because you're adulterous. You're committing adultery. You're giving love and affections that are meant to go to me to other worldly things. So for the sake of time, I don't want to get into it now. But if you're like, wait, is that, is that true? Mm, I don't know. So Matthew 6 is a good place to look at, too, for homework. Um, that's the, um, when Jesus is talking about where your treasure is, your heart will be also. That's a good place to look at, too, where it's... Because right after he says where your treasure is, your heart will be also, he talks about anxiety. Don't be anxious, right? So there's an interesting connection there. So this is my problem. I love talking about this, and I wish I could talk about this for eight hours. But you'd all fall asleep and get hungry and get cranky, and we'd start murdering each other, and we don't want that to happen. So I want to pause there. I want to open up questions, thoughts, comments, pushback. Jason, I don't like you. You can say that, too. Um, from anything, anything I can clarify or... Yep. Can you just give some examples of the glory and pleasure that you Like life examples? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, good. Thank you. I skipped over the example, so it's, thank you for, for you're helping me get, focus on my, my notes. So um, a couple examples that I, as I was thinking about, so I'm going to say my examples and you can tell me if, it, if that answers it or not. Um, so example, you say, hey, there's a, a single person who wants a relationship, which is a good gift from God. But they'd want it so bad, when they get in a relationship, they can't help but smother the person, right? I mean, why didn't you respond to my texts? Man, why haven't they responded? Haven't they, you know, hey, do you still love me? Do you still love me? Do you still love me? Um, so this idea of, I have a, there's a good gift, but instead of using it in the way that God intended, with just open hands, we see our heart desiring I want, I want the affirmation. I want the glory. I want the acceptance. I want you. So um, Proverbs 7 is a good example of this when it's describing the adulterous woman. And the adulterous woman, so Solomon says, I was looking through my window, peering through my lattice. I saw a young man at the wrong part of town at the wrong time, right? Midnight at her corner. And this adulterous woman, this immoral woman comes and says, I have come to seek you 
to find you earnestly. I found you. I've been, I've been looking all day for you. Is that really true? She's just, she just, she'll say that same line to any dude she grabs, right? But there's this glory component. So a lot of times in, in impurity and lust, there's a glory component as well, where it's, um, it's a fantasy, it's fake, but this person is totally consumed with me. Um, so Cosmopolitan Magazine, the front of it, John Henderson says, what does the face or what do the eyes of the person in the front of the, the Cosmopolitan Magazine at Safeway, what do they say about you the person who's looking at the camera, right? Because I've never, never walked by and seen a Cosmopolitan magazine and there's a person who's looking at their phone like this. Oh, you're here, I don't care, right? It's, what are they, what are they transfixed with? What are they focused on? You, right? The person who's gonna buy the magazine, right? They're consumed with you. So you say there's all, yeah. Um, is that, does that help? Yeah, so a kingdom, um, a kingdom, the kingdom example um, that I like is Saul. When David kills Goliath, he comes back and all the young women start singing songs, right? Makes it to the top one hit of Israel. Man, Saul's killed his thousands, David his tens of thousands. And Saul just says, man, praise God, the enemies of the Lord are being destroyed. <sighs> That's good, right? Isn't that what he says? No, what's he say? Kill him, yeah. Just the refrain galls him. Say, they have accredited me with thousands and David tens of thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom, right? And so his consumption is on, um, it's, it's his physical kingdom that he's desiring. He's not consumed with God's kingdom and God's people. And so our anger, our fear, our anxiety, the, the, the uh, thorns can be a helpful example they're a good, uh, it's the, the line of our emotions are a good check engine light put there by a good designer. Um, they're saying something is wrong. And so that's why this, where this can be helpful is trying to say, why did I get angry that time? Because God asks a lot of people that question. He asked Jonah, hey Jonah, do you do well to be angry about the plant? You know, because he's, as he's sitting there, he's eating popcorn, he's waiting for God to just wipe out Nineveh after Nineveh's totally repented. And it's just like, who's, he's a yes God, angry enough to die, thank you for asking, right? And so his anger is helpful, because God, and God is, counsels Jonah, hey, what, what kingdom are you really, I'm paraphrasing, what kingdom are you really consumed with? Are you really concerned about the men and the women and the children who can't tell the right hand from their left in this, are you concerned about even the cows, Jonah? You, do you care more about your own comfort and your own plant? And that's like, and that's, man, that's just us as humans. That's totally us. Now you've just got me talking. I'm just going off and trying to be like, that was like me when I was 19. I went to India, and um, before I went there, I was on a mission trip. I was like, man, I'm just, I'm, India's going to repent when I get there. It's just going to be awesome. Just, Jason's arrived, India, don't worry. Uh, and after a week, I'm like crying. I'm like, God, this is hot, and I don't want it, and I don't care about these people. And I'm just, just like, man, it's, it's like I care so. And this is what God hit me with, like Jonah. I was like, Jason, do you care more about your comfort than the people? And it's like, yes, I do. Um, and that's a very merciful thing. It's not a harsh thing. God is being merciful to us as he's revealing in our suffering and our heat and our circumstances what thorns we go to because God's saying I love you too much to allow you to find lesser things than myself 
And the reason I can say that is because in James, it says that, it says that he, or do you suppose that it's to no purpose, as scripture says, he yearns jealously over the spirit he's made to dwell in us. Do you think that when God says he's jealous for our spirit, he wants us to only love him, he's, it's for no reason? It says, but praise God, he gives us more grace. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That, that the, the end of all this conversation isn't um, God is just harsh. He just wants to beat us up. He just wants to point out sin for no reason. It's, it's a loving saying, hey, I want you to be about my kingdom because it's going to be better for you. That's a very long answer to your question. Is that helpful? Yeah, okay, okay, good. Other thoughts, comments, questions, clarifications? All right, so what I'd love to do is I want to give you guys some time to talk in groups about some of the things that we've been talking about here, okay? So there's a lot of content, we kind of, and it's kind of the purpose of these, the style of format of these teachings is we're going to cram in a whole bunch of content, but then we want you guys to be thinking about it. So be thinking about, hey, questions, comments, concerns, interesting thoughts, or I like the scripture. So the central point um, in the front of your sheet here, it says, all ungodly behavior grows out of a heart that's been captured by something other than Christ. Our hearts are often captured by good things that have become ultimate things. Normal desires quickly morph and become to becoming replacements for God. And then lasting growth begins when we see the things that lead our hearts away from Christ. And of course, the next point should be, and then we turn to treasure Christ. Right? That should be, you can know, feel to write that in there. So for the relational application, if you're like, man, I don't know what to, or, you know, to make it real, we have some questions there that can help be helpful guides as well in our hearts. So what things tend to function as replacements for God in my life? What's my greatest nightmare? What do I worry about? You know, what am I most afraid of? Again, as an indicator of what is something that maybe I'm treasuring, I'm afraid to lose. What in, what in my life, if I failed or lost, would cause me to feel that I didn't even want to live, or what keeps me going? Um, and so for the, most of you who know, um, so my daughter has cancer. She was diagnosed with rhabdomyosarcoma six months ago. Um, and it's been a, this man, this heat, thorns, root fruit has been a really interesting, that to me I've seen in my own heart an example of Wanting safety for your children is a natural good thing, right? Wanting safety for our loved ones. We want our loved ones to be safe. That is a good thing and it comes from God. What the Lord in his mercy has been speaking to me about is, I saw it very clearly. God was like, hey Jason, it's kind of like you've got your daughter and instead of holding her, you're holding her like this, right? Like I want to keep her safe and I want to use my, um, so uh, in Jer uh, Jeremiah 16, this whole roots fruit where that comes from, it says, blessed are the man who makes the Lord his strength and curses the man who makes flesh his arm, looks to man his own strength. Um, and that was, I think, what the Lord was mercifully revealing to me is, say, Jason, if you try to hold her with your own strength and keep her safe, you're going to smother your daughter and your arms are going to fall off. It's, it's going to be too you're not strong enough to actually do it. Um, and, and so it's the Lord in his mercy, he starts to, as the suffering, as the heat comes in, sort of say, Jason, I have to, you have to let me hold on to her. 
You have to let me be strong enough to carry, otherwise you're not gonna, you're gonna break, Jason. You're not gonna be able to handle it. Um, and so the, the heat in our circumstance, the, the heaviness, the pain, that when God does it, it's a merciful thing that he calls. He's, he doesn't want us to be burdened. He wants us to be free to be his children. Um, so again, that also to an example of in a, a good thing, good desires, but just like the Lord just wanting to, to bring freedom and to have us help treasure him. So different thoughts. Um, Near, even at the very bottom, um, so what do I do? Where do my thoughts drift in my free time? What preoccupies me? What makes me feel the most self-worth? What moments are most accomplished, proudest of? So if those questions are helpful to talk about in your groups, awesome. If the scriptures are helpful to talk about in your groups, awesome. Um, maybe give us about 10 minutes to talk about that in your groups. I'd love to hear some thoughts from you guys at the end. Okay. So we got five to eight minutes, five to seven minutes. Sorry. <laughs> give her math. I'm bad at math. All right. So... Was there anything that came up in the conversations that was helpful or any questions that we have? We'd love to hear what, what was kind of any themes that you guys noticed as you were talking. Yep. We're all flawed. We're all flawed. Yes. Yep. That's good. That's good. You noticing that as a theme? There wasn't anyone who's like, I'm not flawed. I'm fine. No. No. <laughs> Except for that one guy, right? That one time, yeah, yep, right? Yeah, we're flawed. We have thorns. Yeah. yeah what else? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're talking about being no community. Uh, if you were to tell us, like, okay, for the rest of your life, you're just gonna like not have any community. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you're saying that there's this. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. So yeah, this. No, we have to be in community. We need it. And being in community brings out our sinfulness. So what? Do, or maybe we've attempted to make people our community. You know, into idols. So what? What do we do with it? Is that just kind of all those dynamics? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough, right? That's why Matt Chandler, um, one time he's like, hey, you know, for all, you, if you're single, um, like, so, you know, hey, if you're married, one of the good things about being married is it reveals your sin. He's like, hey, if you're single, get roommates because you need your sin revealed. Um, and just that reality of like, that's when God says, yeah, like, hey, confess your sin to each other, pray for each other so you can be healed. There's all these commandments that God just like, yeah, you know, we're, one person living on an island, you know, castaway, just can't have anybody else that's going to rub them the wrong way. And so there's not going to be, yeah, God uses people to refine us, right? Um, and it's painful. <laughs> we don't want it. I'd much rather just be by myself. That way, my sin, their sin doesn't hurt me and my sin doesn't hurt them. But that's not how God, yeah, ordained it, right? So, yeah, thank you. It's good. Yeah. Other thoughts, comments? Questions, things I you know. I appreciated the reminder that um, the Lord revealing things to us mm -hmm. is not in like a shameful way. Yeah. It's just His yeah. loving kindness and mercy. Yeah. Like that word that you said, like it's Him being merciful. Yeah. Is really sticking with me. Yeah, it's good. It's good. 
Because I think we can tend towards that, right? As, as in our Christian culture, we can be like, man, we can be like sin sniffers, you know? You, you know, like, oh man, or oh, God keeps revealing all these things. And it's like, but if, it's, if the same God who reveals, if it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict the world of sin, and God's the one who provides the grace, right, and the salvation and the way, then as he reveals sin, what it should drive us to is, man, praise God that he rescued me from that, yeah. Um, but it is, it's easy, but you can, you can short circuit that and be like, I need to, yeah, man, I gotta work harder. Oh, and it's, that's a danger in this conversation of thorns, looking at our sin, identify, the morbid introspection is, man, I just gotta work harder, I gotta do it better, I gotta make sure that I, 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 I. and it's just like, yeah, the only response to that is, oh, it's just overwhelming, right? Or I'm either gonna give up or I'm gonna try really hard. Um, yeah, praise God that, that he's, he's, his heart is kind. Um, it's even um, Lamentations 3, when Israel's being punished for their disobedience, is some of the most harsh language that, that is used again in a conversation towards God. Um, I'm the man who's seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. God, you've been like a bear to me. You've been like a lion. You throw me aside. And this is, people think it's Jeremiah. Not because of his own sin, because of Israel. He's just seeing it. But one of the things that he, he ties in there is, um, but God, you don't afflict from your heart or grieve the children of man. Um, so just that it's when, when the Lord even allots and brings sovereign punishment for sin, it's, it's, not, it's not cruel which can be, I think, the tendency to our hearts to associate, God, you're being cruel as you're revealing sin or bringing suffering. Um, but he's, that's why I think when we need God's word to bring in the, the reality of his mercy, it's the same place where it says his mercies are new every morning, you know? Um, so it's just, yeah, it's interesting, all those pieces that are dynamic. Yeah, thank you. We are officially five till, and so I will, I wanna give you guys time to roll out, but I, I would love to pray for us and then, um, we, can, we roll up to keep hearing God's word. Um, yeah. Father God, we need you. Um, because God, we in our human reality, we're going we're gonna to miss it. We're going to go to extremes. We're going to try and fix things ourselves. We're going go to go to, to legalism, licentiousness, all these different things that aren't the gospel, aren't you, aren't Christ. Lord God, thank you that Christ, you are the perfect image of the Father that you are gentle and lowly, God, you're merciful, that you say, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So God, I pray that you would mercifully reveal our sin in our hearts, and that God, you would mercifully draw us to Christ, that we would see that you love us, when God, it's so easy for us to miss it. I pray that you would bring up conversations with roommates, with children, with parents, with friends, with family, where we would be open to say, hey man, this is, I think I'm wrestling with anger. I think I'm seeing these things. I'm seeing this heart impurity. I'm wrestling with all these things that, that we would be able to speak the truth of the gospel to one another. That God, though our sins are scarlet, God, you make them white as snow. Um, thank you for that. God, thank you for sending your son that, that you thought that us being able to be in, have intimacy with you, be, have a relationship with you, glorify you was, was worth sending your son for. Um, not because we're rock stars, but God, because you are a good, loving God. So may the truth of that, God, um, take root in our hearts. 
Let any words that are spoken that don't glorify you roll off. Any piece of your word, all the pieces of your word that come from you that are true, that are good, may all of your words get implanted in our hearts and may we worship you and grow more in love with you as we go. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.